Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, and welcome to the Business with Beers podcast. This episode is part of a weekly series called Franchise Fridays, in which every Friday we will have an episode dedicated to helping you create freedom by owning a franchise. And my family has been in the franchising business for over 45 years. My brother and I took our family's franchise auto repair business and grew it from six locations to now 30, doing over $36 million a year. And one of the best ways that you can accelerate your growth as a franchisee is to surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs who are a couple steps ahead of you. And for those with W-2 jobs who are looking to buy a franchise, you need a confidential community to ask questions and get support. So I've recently launched a free private community for people wanting to learn more about buying, opening, and scaling franchises. Go to brianbeers.com slash community to learn more and join. So today I want to talk about legacy versus emerging brands. You know, partnering with the right franchise is by far the greatest decision you will make in the beginning. You know, pick the right one, you'll be off to the races. Pick the wrong one and you'll be pushing a donkey up a hill. And so when it comes down to a legacy versus emerging brand, there's pros and cons on both sides. There's no magic bullet. There's no perfect franchise. A lot of this is what uh, matches your skill set and what you're looking for. So first, I want to talk about legacy brands and the pros of them. So legacy brands are ones that have been around for 20 plus years. Many of them have hundreds, if not thousands of locations. Many of them are retail focused and have strong recognition. Brands like Taco Bell, McDonald's, Midas, Planet Fitness, you know, there's Serve Pro, Ace Hardware, Sports Clips, Molly Made, Rotor Rooter, Rena Center. You know, the list could go on. As you're driving down the street and you go to your shopping center, you know, there are a lot of the brands that are in there you'll recognize are legacy brands. So lots of units, existing units means there's lots of opportunity to grow through acquisition within a legacy brand. Right. So if your goal is to get in with one and you want to grow through acquisition and buying other existing one, if there's a thousand locations out there, you have a lot of opportunity compared to one that might have a hundred locations or 50 locations. Right. And legacy brands, another pro is they have legacy owners. So these are owners who have been in the brand for 10, 20, maybe 30 years. And many of them are baby boomers who are now nearing retirement. So they will be passing down the franchise to their kids, you know, a key employee or looking to sell it. And that creates opportunities for you to grow through acquisition, right? We have lots of units, we have lots of legacy owners, you know, that's a great combination. You know, and these brands have been through multiple economic cycles. They've been through the ups, they've been through the downs. Many of them have evolved over the years. You know, we look, you know, from my personal experience with Midas in the 70s when it started, it was all it was all mufflers and exhaust. And today, 
you know, exhaust is 10% of our business because stainless steel has been invented. And the system, the exhaust systems don't rust like they used to. But the business has evolved now to total car care and with brakes and suspension and oil changes and diagnostic and electrical. And over the next 10 or 15, 20 years, it's going to continue to evolve, right? As we get into EVs and, and more complicated technologies. And that is the case with, with a lot of these brands over the years. And they will continue to adapt as time changes, which is, which is awesome. But there are some downsides too. So, so some of the cons when it comes to the legacy brands are, you know, an older, with the older brand, the founders of the brand, like the founders of Midas, the founders of, you know, sports clips or, you know, I'm making these up here, but most of them at this level are not running the franchise. They have passed the baton to another leadership team. You know, that leadership team could have stayed in place for decades or it could be changed up every couple of years. You know, it's possible that the franchise is sold from one private equity company who then, you know, increases the number of units and the valuation and then they flip it to another private equity who might have the same business plan to invest and to flip it. Or, you know, another private equity company might have a plan that's uh, a strip it down, right? Cut out all the corporate overhead, shut down failing units like... And so that's the con. Sometimes when these brands have been around for a while, they kind of just cycle from, you know, one group to another group to another group, which, you know, changes the leadership and changes the direction of the company. And, you know, you could spend years establishing a relationship with someone and then they're gone. And so it's a con. And I mean, it's a risk in any franchise, but especially in, in legacy brands, because, you know, every time that leadership changes, franchisees are affected in one way or another. Sometimes it's a very good thing. Sometimes it means we have a new owner, we have a clear vision, we're developing strategic partnerships. You know, maybe they already have, there's, there's synergies, there's capital. Uh, but then other times it's not. So it's just something to be aware of. And not all private equity companies are bad. Some run a buy and hold model in which they acquire companies and then they never, they never sell them. You know, they look to then create synergies through additional purchases. You know, maybe they're saving some, some costs at the front end, back end of the business and in the office. But, you know, their goal is to really help franchisees increase their sales, you know, cross market and maybe even give franchisees the opportunity to own multiple brands, you know, within the, the family uh, of network. So pretty interesting, but. Something to be aware of. Another con is that legacy brands are located in legacy neighborhoods. So neighborhoods that have been established for a long time. In many cases, you know, that's where these locations, you know, back in the day when they were built up or when they were open, did did really well. But now they're kind of on the down downswing, right? And all the new hot markets that everybody's moving to, that all the brand new developers are, that your, you know, your Starbucks and your Whole Foods and all these like you know, new money's going into, you know, may not have legacy brands there. And so you got to be willing to then go and invest in this area and, and open up new locations. So the final thing, you know, I touched a, a little bit, but kind of the summary is we've got legacy owners who are ready to retire, which could lead to, you know, some easy buying opportunities. And sometimes those legacy owners are a little out of touch or they're just not making the investment that they're looking to, which helps you create some easy wins. And then lots of units means fragmented ownership, which helps you roll up the strategy. And finally, legacy neighborhoods, pros and cons to that, but something to definitely be aware of. So 
Now we get into emerging brands. So the definition of an emerging brand is one that has been in franchising for kind of one to five years. They have somewhere between 10 to 50 like open units, you know, and that 50 might go kind of a, a little bit higher, but they're pretty new. They, you know, are have proof of concept in that, you know, maybe they've they've opened a number of units, maybe they've sold a ton of units, you know, they're still in development. Like a lot of people are behind the concept, believe in the vision and are moving it forward. And so, you know, the thing to be considered here is there are 300 new franchise concepts every year. And there's probably another 300 that stop franchising, right? Where maybe they open up one or two locations and it just doesn't, it doesn't really work. It's, it's harder than they thought, whatever the case is. And, you know, they kind of go into a different direction. So then the question is, well, when does an emerging brand make sense? You know, given there's lots of pros to the legacy, like I'm in a legacy business, I think there's lots of pros to it. But I also see, you know, in some cases, there's a lot of pros in an emerging brand. And then the biggest one is that they are providing a new solution to solve a new problem, right? Maybe it's technology. Like there's a number of concepts and there's a couple of uh, fitness concepts out there that I'm actually becoming passionate about that that use technology is the key differentiator, right? We look at Orange Theory, right, is, is a big one that is not emerging anymore. It's pretty established. Um, but the key differentiator, what made them successful was was a technology-driven concept of, you know, connecting your body and kind of giving these, you know, in real-time performance as compo- composed to just riding a bike, right? And so if you were on the ground floor of Orange Theory and you opened up locations when it was, you know, very early on, I mean, you could buy a lot of territory at a great price. And so, and it was a technology driven thing. Another one could be a food trend. You know, for example, you know, Nashville hot chickens, you know, getting pretty popular. There's a couple of concepts popping up that are solely Nashville hot chicken, very niche focused, you know, very simple menus, very easy to operate. Uh, you know, a little bit of a trend maybe, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that appeals to a lot of people. There could be a solution that is more of a macro trend, right? So senior care, we talk about, you know, the silver tsunami and, and you know, the increase over the next decade of the amount of seniors who are going to need, you know, care and different needs. And so there's some concepts out there that focus in on, you know, uh, mobility equipment, for example. There's a company that sells and services, you know, wheelchairs, power chairs, uh, power lifters up the, you know, stairs and provide service. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to need power scooters and they're going to use them a lot and abuse them and they're going to need people to come and fix them. And so, you know, there's going to be this kind of new industries that get established with with seniors and, and getting older. And then there's other things that have never been franchised before. So there's a concept that I'm um, I'm passionate about too. It's It's drug testing. So when we look at like drug testing options out there, you've got your quest diagnostic, you've got your like, you know, maybe patient first or, you know, uh, urgent cares can kind of do them, but there's nobody really in the franchise drug testing space. And so there's a concept, it's non-medical, just, just like urine and hair. So you don't need, um, you know, nurses, you don't need medical licenses, super simple model to operate, very low cost to get into it, you know, somewhat scalable that you can, you can open up multiple locations within a territory. So never been franchised has a niche there. Pretty interesting. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, when it's emerging brand, you're buying less into the brand name and more into the system. So for example, this drug testing concept, nobody knows the name. You put it up on the the billboard out there in a, in a, in a 
strip center, nobody's going to say, oh, I know this drug testing company, right? Like you're not buying the brand versus, you know, when somebody buys into Midas, they're buying the brand name of Midas because it's been around for so long and it, and it kind of guarantees you know, you're going to have business every day. You're buying more into the system, into the business model, into the founders, into the vision, you know, the things that are a little bit more intangible. That's what you're kind of putting your chips behind and believing in. And so it's it's important to understand that. And, and some of the other like pros are you get to work directly, you know, with the founding team. Like you get on the ground floor, you're going to be able to work with the guy who created it, who's grown it. And, you know, this may not apply to everyone and every concept, but a lot of times, you know, you could create a friendship with them and, and you'll have text communication and like, hey, I have this question. I have this. And maybe you have an idea. It's like, you know, if, if we're getting involved in a brand, given our vast experience and franchise and success, like, you know, I'm going to have an opinion of things, right? Like things that are working in my business and in, in our brand. And if I think I can take some of those elements and add it to another brand that I'm now invested in, in order to kind of grow, you know, not only my stores, but to, to grow the whole system, because that in turn increases the value of, of my locations, like, you know, I'm going to do that. And so, you know, that's the benefit, right? If you're coming into the game with a lot of experience, whether it's in franchising or whatever experience where, where you can have a direct impact to help, you know, from the ground floor shape the business and like really, really make a, a difference, uh, you know, it might be attractive to you. So, and, and in the beginning, you think about it, like on the flip side, the founder really needs their initial franchisees to succeed. Like if they really want to grow it from 10 locations or 50 locations to, you know, a hundred or a thousand, they have really big plans. Like, it's it's this whole like compounding curve where those first ones matter significantly. None of those first ones can fail, right? They really need to prove the concept over and over and over again in the beginning because they're taking because the franchisees are taking risk, right? There's no track record. They're buying into the concept. They're buying into that person, and so I think that's you know uh, it's a two way bet. You know you're betting on them, and they're they're really betting on you. And this is a partnership. At the end of the day, all franchising is is a partnership. And they don't want to buy, they don't want to partner with people who just want to give them money and say, all right, go, go do it. They, they want to partner with people who see the vision and can help them execute it. And I, I don't want to say that legacy brands don't care about failures, but mathematically, if a franchisor with a thousand units loses one location, that's a 0.1% change in their number of units, right? If you're looking at, 2,000 units, 3,000 units, 4,000 units, like you're getting to the Papa John's, the Domino's of the world, like tons and tons of units. Like you open up a bunch of locations that fail, like the change in their little graph of units is, you know, it's it's micro number versus if you're involved with a franchise that has 10 units, 20 units, 50 units, like your one or two or three locations could represent a significant percentage of of them. And so they have to report all this in their franchise disclosure documents, right? Of, of, of openings and closures of transfers, all this stuff. And it's very important for these new brands that their franchise succeed. And so, you know, you both have a lot to, to gain. You both have a lot to lose. And so I don't know. It's interesting. And so, you know, I think, I think when we talk about, um, the risks of emerging brands is that there's just no, there's no track record, right? You're betting on the person. Uh, you're betting on yourself on the, on executing this model that's, 
you know, a lot of it's in theory. Like they might have in their FDDs disclosing one location of financials. They might have 15 getting open. They might have a hundred sold, right? So like there's not this huge track record and paperwork where you can build all these financial models and you can build out, you know, all these things based on historicals. They just don't have it. The historicals aren't there. You're betting on the concept. And so that's, that's what it really comes down to. And so to wrap this thing up, you know, when does it make sense? You know, if your legacy makes sense, if you really want to grow through acquisition, you want to grow turnarounds or you want to buy a location that's like losing money, maybe it has a bad reputation and you want to like get this thing turned around and you, you want an industry that's like tried and true house cleaning, tires, you know, oil changes, brakes, painting, different senior care, right? Like, perfect opportunities in legacy brands. But if you want to get into an emerging brand, you're going to, A, it's it's all going to be through development. So it's all new locations that you're going to be building from the ground up. You know, you're going to be spending time, instead of turning around locations, you're going to be spending time scouting new locations, territories, and really just building it all from the ground up. And these aren't going to be your house cleaning, tire changes, painting. Like these are going to be new concepts, new business models, at uh or could be pretty exciting um you know do it so anyhow there's no perfect answer there's no magic bullet when it comes to franchising it's all about finding the right franchise for you that matches your skill set your capital you know your desired returns and in your market i think it's really important to be local and i think you know if if you you know, love a concept, but the only place it can be is an hour away two hours away a plane ride away i mean it's going to be a lot harder for you to you know, grow that into the business that you want it to be when you're first starting out. And so, you know, all those things are important. As I mentioned earlier, if you're just getting started in the franchising journey, the best thing you can do is join my free community, brianbeers.com slash community. Uh, we have a Facebook group. We have some active discussions. I host calls. Uh, it's going to hopefully be every two weeks or so live calls where we can kind of get questions answered. The topic like this is a is a perfect one um, to weigh the pros and cons. And like I said, there's no right answer. There's nothing to say, hey, open up new concepts and you'll do great. Open up you know, legacy brands and you'll do great. Um, it's all about what you're looking for. And that's what I think is really awesome about franchising is fits for everybody. So that is all I have for today. If you have any questions on anything I talked about, you know, shoot me a message on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very, you know, reachable. I love hearing feedback. Um, and if there's anything you were looking for me to cover in these podcasts, I, like I said, I'd love to hear it. So that's all I got for today. Cheers. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't. 